This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I am with Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you doing today? Gabby, I am doing remarkably well, and I'm and I just looked at the calendar in total disbelief that it's already one week into November. And mentally, I'm like, you know, early September-ish. So I don't know what happened, but um, we, we've we had a great fall. I've, I've so enjoyed uh, this this year in the fall. And the weather's been really cool and uh, being nice, um, not cool, but just a little bit, little bit fallish. So I'm just digging it, man. I'm, I'm digging the whole fall scene. The colors are beautiful out here outside my window. So we've got a... Uh, a great guest today who's been a longtime friend of mine and business associate slash partner slash dot connector. Uh, cool, cool lady to hang out with. So tell us a little bit about her and then we're going to get going. Sounds good. Well, as Greg was saying, I am excited to introduce Shannon Hames. She is the director of business development at Hole and Chandler Law Firm. How are you doing today, Shannon? I'm doing great, Gabby. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Shannon, you know, this is a very high-pressure uh, situation, so you better have your game face on today, girl. Here you go. I'm ready. Uh, we're, uh, I'm really uh, excited. I know it took me forever to get around to get the schedule with you just because of my lackadaisical behavior, but I'm glad you're finally here. Um, you know, I was thinking about it this morning early. I got up. Johnny had to go run some errands, so I was sitting in there having coffee. And um, I was thinking how long you and I have been connected. And then I started thinking about all the cool people that we've been able to connect uh, because we know each other. So I was, that, that to me was kind of what brought us together. And, you know, throughout, I don't know, I'm not going to say how many years because uh, it makes me feel old, but uh, you seem to be getting younger by the day. So I think that's a great thing. But why don't you, uh, before we get going too too quickly, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little about Hall and Chandler, what you do, how you wound up working for a freaking law firm and not be a lawyer. It's just a, a really cool story. So give us a little background. Okay. So i um, been at Hall and Chandler now eight years, and I got to Hall and Chandler. Um, my background is primarily in nonprofit work in um, I worked in the homeless shelter. I ran a free preschool for kids from public housing. I did development work for homeless kids. I did some time raising money for substance abuse prevention. Um, and then my last nonprofit stint, I did dropout prevention with the police department and the sheriff's office here in Charlotte. And so it's random that I ended up here. I got into for-profit work. I went to work for a board member who wanted access to all my contacts because he realized that I kept in touch with people and I like to meet new people and I love to help people. And I ended up at Hull and Chandler because I had met one of um, the attorneys uh, who was very techie through my networking and they decided they wanted to hire a business development person. And then eight years later, here I am. And um, I attribute sort of my dot connecting, as you say, sort of to my upbringing. I'm from Banner Elk in the mountains of North Carolina. And 
I grew up in a community where people help each other and that's how I think you're supposed to be. And Greg, I know you're very much that way. The very first time I met you, I recall it was rainy and Greg gave me an umbrella. I'll never forget that. And I was a total stranger. So was it airtight umbrella? It was a burgundy airtight umbrella. So I used to do a lot of that because that's how I got my umbrellas kind of positioned around the city for advertisement. So I'm glad it helped. And and I have to confess, it was probably a bit um, uh, opportunistic on my part, but I'm glad you remember it. And it was a good umbrella. I still got some of them. I used them. (laughs) Now, I I do want to clarify for our listeners that all of those uh, tragic and and circumstances that you uh, laid out of, of what you did is not how we met. I was not at the department when we met so no. I'd I like to correct some people will know me and they'd be like of course you met you at the police department so yeah anyway um thank you for for uh the background yeah. and I do highly recommend Hall and Chandler they have been a personal attorney uh company attorney for me and my in my wacky stuff I do so great great group of people they made a good choice in you for sure. But all right. So um, Banner Elk, walk us through how in the world you got from Banner Elk to the big city of Charlotte, North Carolina. What was that journey about? Well, I I attended Queens for undergrad and grad school. And I actually came here for a guy. <laughs> so that's how I to college, which is not the best reason, but it's the truth. <laughs> so I, I bet you're the only person ever to do that. To I'm sure, what? probably. <laughs> my my nieces went to Queens. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I didn't realize that. My sister has twin daughters, and uh, they did their master's work at Queens after they moved okay. to the Charlotte area. Yeah, great school. It's been a really. It was a good experience. All right, so just to to set the stage, uh, Banner Elk is way west, way up in the mountains. Charlotte is the big city to a lot of people uh, because I guess it's the second largest city in the state. Maybe Raleigh's probably first, but all right. So keep, keep the journey going. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just got excited there. Uh, no, no. I, well, I, I attended Queens. I uh, was trying to find something that I could do that's where I could give back to people. And um, my first foray into the job world, I worked for um, Habitat for Humanity, Charlotte three on three, which was a basketball tournament that a bunch of Davidson alumni put on so that they could give money to Habitat for Humanity. And that was when I was in college and um, sort of found my love of helping people and decided, okay, I've got to find something that's not just about making money because that's not really a fit for, for me, but more of what can I do where I can build relationships and rapport and keep in touch with people and just try to help people and, um, again, that worked in nonprofit, and that very much has worked for me in for-profit work. Um, gotten two referrals so far today, and it's 11.15. <laughs> so, you go. Yeah. yeah. That's why Nathan made such a good choice, see, because you, you're, you're bringing in work before lunchtime. I mean, come on. Yeah. All right. So um, I, I think that your statement that you just said, that it works in nonprofit and it works in normal business, it, I think it works in life, you know? Because people, 
you look at, I was thinking about this. There, there's a couple of apps around like the next door neighbor app or whatever. Those, those folks help each other through recommendations, like for a plumber, for a roofer. You can't gain that kind of exposure and that kind of advertisement and those kind of referrals if you try. You know, that's got to come from, excuse me, that's got to come from the personal experience people have with your company in order for my neighbor over here, Michelle, to recommend her plumber to me, who was awesome, by the way. Uh, the dude is from England. He comes over here, sets up shop. He's a one-man show, happy as he could be. You know, he comes in. Um, I won't go into the whole saga of buying somebody else's house and moving in. But anyway, we had to have a plumber. Um, but, you know, he couldn't have gotten that that kind of recommendation had he not performed and then had people not recommended him. I didn't find him on Google. I didn't find him on anything. I found him from my neighbor. And I think that people just connect with people and they value that personal experience so much. And, you know, even down to me giving you an umbrella, you remember that. God knows how many years that eight, I guess, because you had just gone to Holy Chandler, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's the little things that stick out, you know, that people remember. You know, I remember the guy's British accent, um, you know, the plumber. He did great work. And I know he's a plumber, but I remember him because of that. So what do you do that's memorable or what do you have that's memorable is what makes people stick. So I guess I need to get some more umbrellas, Gabby. Uh, that's the story. But I, all right. So the umbrella story, I'll just tell it real quick because it's on my mind. I used to walk around with umbrellas on in Charlotte when I had my business in Charlotte. And I would buy umbrellas by the hundreds and I would go into restaurants like on a sunny day, like it is today with an umbrella. And I would leave two of them in the umbrella stand by the door. And that way, when people didn't have an umbrella and they thought they were stealing it, they were actually helping me advertise. So there you go. That's my, my guerrilla marketing tactic of the day. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So you, you take this uh, journey to Queens and, and you figure out you're going to, you know, you want to help people making money is important, but it's not everything. Um, what is it for you that you, you've called me many times and I've called you many times and said, hey, you've got to meet this lady or you got to meet this guy. What is it for you that pops where you want to help people? Uh, you know, because sometimes you meet people and they're complete turd heads and you don't want to help them because you're like, I don't want to expose my network to that. But what is on the good side when you want to help somebody expand their network or, you know, market themselves? What, what what traits or what characteristics do they have that make you say, ah, I want to help this this lady or this guy? Well, I think that they that they are open to meeting new people and that they seem genuine. And I think more than anything else that they're I feel like I'm meeting an authentic person and not the representative. I think that's really important. Um, I, I, you know, I was actually talking with one of our attorneys earlier today that people come to work and they try to put on their best faith. I mean, it's part of coming to work, right? You're going to a job, you're doing a thing. But I think that some people do a better job at being their most true and authentic self. And I think it's the more people you meet and the more you network, the more you can sort of discern who those people are. And again, helping those people be successful is fun, right? Yeah. Helping to meet someone. Yeah. So 
Yeah, you're right. Because if, if you hear, you know, like maybe a year later, you're with somebody and they say, hey, you referred so-and-so to me and, you know, they helped me with X, Y, or Z. That's such a cool little little dopamine hit just to know that you helped them, you know, without, and, and I think you, for me, anyway, I have to give without expectation. I'm not trying to get anything out of it other than to promote for the right reason because that always, and, and I've, I've learned the hard way, if you're doing that for not the right reason, it'll bite you in the butt every time or it has me. Anyway. Yeah. It, the, one of the things that my mom like often would say to me as like when I was a kid, she would say it's bread on the water. You're always passing down to the next person and it may never come back to you, but still doing the right thing with the right spirit and trying to help someone else is in the other thing that my mom says, and I'll show you all my momisms, is that um, other people's behavior is about them and who they are, and your behavior is about who you are. And so it's good to be mindful of being the best you you can be, even if it's challenging. Like, even if you go meet someone who's not very nice, like, you still may be able to do something for them because, in part, you're teaching other people, right? Like, well, that's a good point. Yeah, my immediate thought is I'm gonna I'm gonna do something for them, like lose their number. But right. see, you're you're much better than I am. Right. We're actually positive. Well, I don't know, Greg. I mean, there there are those people that I, I really struggle with finding ways to be kind to. I still try to be kind, but it's hard to to want to give back a lot to someone that I think is not very nice. Well, I think that that we as as you know seasoned folks in the business world you you just decide where to put your energy and where you don't you know i'm not going to burn a lot of time on somebody who i think's a turd because they probably are and they're not then i really don't want to dig through it to find out just right. present, present yourself in a nice way and i'm going to try to do that and hopefully we see eye to eye on some things and go have fun together so right um the, the guy that that gabby ultimately works for i guess is tim maitland and um I, I click with Tim because he's that kind of guy to me. You know, I don't work for him, so she may have a different opinion. But um, the guy, you know, when when you meet somebody for the first time, for me, you know, they say you have like seven seconds and your your brain's already kicked in and it's a little opinionated self and it's making its uh, judgments or what have you. But I guess that's true because first impressions do matter. And I I can or I don't know if I say I can, but ultimately I do feel quickly or not, or, or feel quickly whether I'm going to connect with that person or not. Sometimes round two of meeting somebody, you come back with a different deal, but man, that, that first time can be really, really, I don't even want to say valuable, but telling probably is a better way for, and, and that's just me talking. And my my wife and my preacher and everybody else work on me to not be so damn judgmental so quickly, and I'm I'm trying to get that in my uh, in my old age, but it's it really hits me like God, really, or man, that's cool. One one or the other. I just I don't have a lot of gray. But I bet Greg, more often than not, when you've not trusted your gut, that you found out that you should have trusted your gut. Yeah, especially with Gabby. You know, I work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just wanted to get her see what she did. So I got her, I got the proper response, Gabby. Thank you. Um, no, you're right. I mean, it, it's, you know, nine and a half times probably accurate, but Abraham Lincoln had a quote 
that is very valuable and I have to remember it sometimes. And he says, I don't like that guy very much. I should get to know him better. And, you know, that's so valuable to, to take that step back because sometimes when we meet people, you know, they're having a, a crisis that I don't know anything about or I'm having a crisis they don't know anything about or most likely both are happening in this day and time. So it, uh, it pays to just shut up and pause. And I'm working on that so hard in my I've been working on it for 50 years now. I'm 59 years old. So one day, one day I feel it, it'll happen. Okay. All right. So I'm really curious about this, Shannon. Business development for a law firm is not like you're selling the, the you know, greatest uh, app or, or something really compelling that's going on in the world right now. You're selling legal services. You're selling, to me, what you sell and how I view you as peace of mind is what I look at. Because like I had a deal not long ago where I called Nathan and said, hey, I've got this contract and I think I understand it, but I'm not 100% sure I understand it. Can you have a look at it? And, you know, he looked at it and, and confirmed. One time he confirmed what I thought. One time he said I was a complete moron and I was not thinking about it properly, which I love. Um because that to me is when, when you have peace of mind, you know, you, you've got a lot of stuff at risk. The older you get, the more stuff you have liability towards, whether it be a house, a business, businesses, whatever. Um, it's just a peace of mind. But that, that's how your services hit me. How, how do you go about talking to people about legal services and how you can help them figure out if they need it or not? I, well, I, I I will say like my attorneys make it easy for me because my on the business side for business owners they'll do a free consultation with a business owner about whatever issues they have so that they can talk through and sort out because I think that sort of what differentiates us in the market is they understand that choosing an attorney is about choosing a relationship and it's a long term play and that's not something that people take easily because it's um, going to someone else and being vulnerable and saying, I don't understand this and I don't know how to do this. And I think I may have messed up is a complex thing and it's super personal. And I think that the whole attorney model is largely broken because law firms exist to assist people, but they create this impediment with the hourly billing model. So that people are paying them before they know them and they don't have a relationship. So I think that that we're a little unique in that we'll sort of give people a, you know, a conversation and do a phone call uh, to decide whether or not we're a fit personality wise. And then if we've got the acumen or if we need to refer it to someone else. Um, and I think that helps. So when you have that um, follow up, so, so. Joe Smith or Sally Smith call you and say, okay, I'm ready. To, I'm, I want to meet Nathan or whomever for a consultation. They have the consultation. Your follow-up uh, with them, hey, how'd it go? What are some of the words that you hear uh, in affirmation that they like it? You know, what are some of those, what, what's the feedback you get in a positive manner? And on the other foot, like what happens when people still aren't comfortable? Because I, I, and because what you do is no different than what we do. I mean, we sell air conditioning service by the hour. Um, sure. And 
So I'm just curious what some of those, what some of the feedback words are, what that sounds like coming from a legal no versus, or a legal yes versus HVAC. I think one of the things we'll often hear, and again, um, particularly with Nathan and um, probably TJ and and Liz and all, all the folks on the business side, is that they were good listeners, that they asked good questions, that they felt like they understood their problem. And I think that very often um, people, again, they need to feel heard and not criticized. And because again, if you're seeking out an attorney, clearly you're in trouble and you're in a, in a sort of fearful position, depending on what the issue is. Um, so I, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about when does that word trust start to, uh, cross over? When do people, it's probably different for many people, but when, when do you feel like that trust is exchanged when do when do people let their guard down and go okay i know that tj's got me or liz has got my back when when do you think that happens i mean i think it happens i think it's kind of as you said greg it's in that first that very first interaction i think that people can perceive okay this person is bright enough and caring enough to listen and help me with my problem or they're not and it's just not a personality fit. And and sometimes it's, it's not a personality fit. But I think it's better to work through that on the front end than to venture into a relationship with someone that you don't have much in common with and you think differently and you behave very differently. Um, I think it's better to, again, it's, it's much like dating. It really is. I was, I was likening that to people who I have personally known in my life that have been dating someone and going to counseling. I'm like, okay, if you're dating and you're going to counseling, <laughs> there may be an issue. I, I don't know if I would keep going down that road or not, if it were me, you know. Right. Anyway, right. we, we talk about that trust exchange sometimes of, of how quickly or how slowly it can. I can't hear you. Yeah, I think your mic cut out. I don't know what happened. What the... <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it looks like you're on mute on like you're on mute on market scale studio. About now. There you go. Yay. So this happened to me a couple of times in in studio where all of a sudden shit changes. Interesting. So, yeah, because I wasn't even touching anything. I was just talking. Yeah. OK, I'll I'll flag that. I right, flag it for 25 minute mark. Okay. So let's back up. All right, three, two, one. You know, Shannon, I, I kind of uh, uh, we we talk about trust and we talk about the exchange and how quickly or not quickly that happens. But people are vulnerable, you know, when they when going to an attorney. A lot of times, um, I just wondered if, if when you're in a little bit of a crunch, are you quicker to trust people that sound like they know what they're doing and feel like you feel like they know what they're doing versus if I'm working to try to sell somebody an air conditioner, I wonder how much that emotion uh, kicks in to saying yes, or, or maybe even saying yes more quickly than you would in another situation. I never thought about that, but that vulnerability may may be a, a piece. What what did you study at Queens? What, were you psychology, or were you marketing, or what did you do? Uh, I I was. In undergrad, I was communications, and I have a master's in strategic communications. So, 
Because you were throwing down some stuff all ago that I thought maybe psychologically or, or psychological sociology, psychology, one of the two uh, studies. So probably, psychology, probably psych. What is the difference between psychology and sociology? Is it the study of people versus the study of people, how they act, or what is that? Yeah, psychology is the the study of the mind, and then sociology is like how more behavior based and. My dad taught college level psychology and my uncle is a psychologist and that's a, a family thing. And so lots of reading in that area. Um, anyway. I'm so glad that was not my father. <laughs> I probably would have driven him more crazy. Um, so what is hot in the lawyer land? What, what are things people are interested in? What's going on with people where they need attorneys right now? Is this... Um, pandemic-related uh, money problems. What, what's going on in the world? Uh, so we're seeing a lot of merger and acquisition work, like oh. a lot. And there's a just a lot of activity with people, you know, again, buying and selling businesses. Um, we've seen an uptick in collections work. So people calling saying, um, this guy, I did this work and he owes me 10000 or he owes me $30,000. Um, we've got both, again, the, oh, you know, we had a call the other day, someone owed, um, owes $800,000. Um, so again, a lot more calls that are litigation related around those kinds of things. Uh, uh, it's always kind of interesting to see what attorneys are working on based on what's going on in the world. You know, you don't think about them being related, but they really are. Because during economic downturns or economic troubles, you do see people working on collections more. And, you know, in small business, people know how important collections are. It's like, you know, you've got to have that cash flow to keep the doors open. And we, as small business people, historically, and, and it's the weirdest thing uh, about people and money, People hate to talk about money. They really do. You, you you have to deal with money in your personal life. There's no doubt. But even like professional salespeople don't always feel comfortable talking about money. And I've never understood that um, because I think you have to talk about money upfront and often in your business conversations. Because if I'm selling a product to, to Gabby and if she's looking like she's going to buy or sounding like she's going to buy, I'm going to have the money conversation with her in that. I'm not worried about scaring her off. This is what I hear a lot of salespeople say. Well, I didn't want to talk about money and scare them off. Well, all you're doing then is delaying the inevitable no if you're not willing to talk about it. Because if she's buying, she already in her mind thinks, I got to spend money and I if I'm selling, I've got to be thinking about she's got to pay me. So let's just go ahead and talk about that early and get get that done where you can work on the deal, where you can make sure that what I'm selling works well, deliverables, all that crap. Because in, in my history, my, my personal history, things are going, the poop's going to get in the fan one day, no matter how well things go. You're going to have that situation where Gabby calls me and says, hey, either I didn't feel like I got what I bought or, you know, your guy was a jerk or something's going to come up. And if you've already had that conversation, then it's a whole lot easier to handle the poop uh, getting it out of the fan 
because you already had that initial burden conversation about money. I, f- I find that uh, salespeople are often hesitant to talk about money. The people that I've heard hired in the past for sales, it's just not a thing. And uh, I find that interesting about people, you know. Right. Do you, how, I guess my question then kind of what, what I'm trying to get at is how do people, are, are they hesitant to ask you about, well, how much does he charge or how, do, how does that work for y'all on, on the money? They, well, they are, it, it kind of depends on the situation and who the consumer is. But, um, like a business owner, because they, a business owner will have had at least some experience with an attorney prior to getting to us, unless they're a startup and we're doing their initial work. And then that's a different conversation, but a business owner will already know that they're going to have to pay for legal services and there's going to be some fee associated. The, the, where the conversations are more challenging, like we do um, nonprofit work, we do estate planning work, um, we do cross real estate. The places where the cha- where the conversations are more challenging are the places where the where the buyer isn't someone who's done a lot of legal work in the past because they don't really know how much things cost and they don't know, for example. If it's going to be, you know, two thousand dollars to get their estate planning done, that may seem like a lot of money to someone who's not a business owner and who does, who's not accustomed to spending that much money at, at any one given time. Um, but again, as you said, it's still better to get get that off the table. I agree with you, one hundred and ten percent, so that people know whether they want to buy from you or not, because it's more efficient for everyone for people to move on if it's not if you're not a fit for them. And again, I don't see any, you know, we're not a fit for everyone and I'm happy to help them find someone else. And that may sound like a strange thing, but again, you're, you can't help everyone, but you can help them find someone who can help them. Well, yeah. And I, I get that too, Shannon. Um, commercial air conditioning is not like residential air conditioning. So you, if I've got a friend or a colleague that says, Hey, I need help. We go out to a house and we give them a $3,000 proposal and they go, holy crap, my neighbor's brother's son, you know, gardener said he could do it for $300. You should do that um, if that's what you're comfortable doing, because hiring an attorney or hiring a licensed and bonded, you know, HVAC company is it's a different different animal than just hiring somebody who thinks they can help you or or Maybe they went to law school for a quarter and failed out or whatever, but it's, um, yeah, I had the lunch with a, a old friend of mine yesterday who has been through the ringer, um, with tax and, uh, divorce and all kinds of craziness. Um, luckily that he has come out of it on the other side and still got his wits about him and ready to fight for it and know that he knows he made some mistakes along the way. And I was just thinking when you were talking about people being in a vulnerable spot and having to go to an attorney, um, we don't even know how they feel. You know, when I think about my friend and what all he went through, and I know how hard he's worked in his life to get to that point that he was at mm-hmm. versus where he now finds himself, that is a very humbling exercise to, to have to go through. And you see that firsthand. Uh, I would have to think, Sean, that, you know, a lot of your conversations probably aren't all rainbows and unicorns. They're really not. The thing is, is that, like, I guess one of the things 
you know, I actually was thinking about it on the way in today that I think, I think people, um, when they get in a, in a mess, whatever mess that is, whether it's divorce or it's a business situation where they fell out with their business partner and they need to separate or they need to sell their business or, um, they're in arrears and they're going to have to declare bankruptcy in their business. They feel a lot of shame and it's, it's a very difficult thing to feel shame and then have enough energy to do something about the way people feel, if that makes sense. And so I, I think acknowledging that it's difficult for them to reach out, right. That's a, that's really important. And then I think being as non-judgmental as you can, right. In your willingness to assist because they don't need your judgment. They don't feel good about needing you anyway, right. Helping them sort of work through that. And, and then, um, letting them know again, whether you can help them great. And if you can't, then you're going to try to help them find someone who can assist them, I think is really important. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about people who sell, uh, services at a funeral home, mm-hmm. like I can't think of a more challenging job, uh, emotionally and psychologically than that. Yes. Most people are going to buy from you because they need you. But I just, I think about, and I, you know, I've been through that with both of my parents. Um, it, it, you're not in a state where you want to buy anything, or maybe you had it set up previously and you've got just a few decisions to make at the end, what have you. But man, that psychological state of the buyer, and I, I've never thought about this a lot till just during this call, because, um, you know, I sell something that people need and want, which is service. Um, if I were selling mortuary services, you're selling to a whole different crowd for a whole different reason, obviously. And I would, the EQ involved in selling to those people and helping them at the end of, of, you know, somebody's life, you've got to really mind your, your mindset and have the right mindset in order to, because you're really helping somebody at that point. You, you're not just think, I mean, I, I want to say the people who I have in my head want to help people, not just sell a coffin, you know, or a service, but in order to help somebody through those difficult times, I mean, I get emotional helping people freaking fix their building air conditioner. You know, I, I believe for them internally about having to spend money on, on big purchases or wrestling with, okay, do I do it now? I'm, thinking about selling the building next year, you know, kind of wrestle through that stuff. But when somebody has passed, you're, I would think your natural human side would want to be, I want to help them get through this difficult time. God, that, that's such a, a, a bifurcation of where I come from daily. You've given it, me a lot to think about, Shannon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, back to your point, right? The, we, we've got a young attorney who does probate work and he really enjoys that. And what's interesting is, is that again, he can take that quagmire of all the things you have to do when your loved one passes away and sort of unravel all that. And if you've never been through that, you don't know like that you have to post things in the newspaper and you've got to reach out to these people and you need death certificates for A, B and C things. And, Again, having people who care about people to shepherd them through that process, because 
as you said, no one wants to buy anything at that state. No right. one wants to think about that as you're grieving about, again, especially when it's your parents or a family member. It's such a such a tragic, scary time. You just used a great word, though, the, the shepherding through. is That's a good mental picture of how you can truly wrap your arm around somebody and walk them through it, you know, without being the cold, callous salesperson of, hey, we got to get a PO in the door, you know. It's like right. we're doing it all for the right reasons. So, all right, well, that's good. I'm glad we went down that nasty rabbit hole of emotion. Um, <laughs> so, let's, uh, let's pull ourselves back to reality. What do you do to promote a law firm? How does that work? You're out and about a lot, I know, because I see what you do, posting and, and interacting. What When you sit down, and I guess you probably do a yearly thing, set some goals and targets because you got to go beg for money from the boss man to attend everything. Right. I call that professional begging because we all do it when we're trying to sell a budget. Um, what do you think about, how, how do you think about reaching people? Uh, is, is yours more one-on-one uh, interface? Is it social media? What's, what's your... What's your go-to? Like, I want to make sure I do a good job on this because it's historically worked well. Um, so, I, but it's a combination of all those things. So, I really like one-on-one interactions. I'm actually, and Greg, we've talked about this before. I pretend like I'm an extrovert. I am not. I am much more on the introverted side. Like, I'm really good at making relationships, but I very much prefer one-on-one interactions rather than the one-to-many. Although my job calls for the one to many song, but I, it's not where I prefer to be or go. I recognize the need for it. Um, and really what I prefer is to to meet people much like I met you through warm introductions from people that I know, like, and trust. Because at a likelihood, if that person introduces me, then I'm pretty, li- pretty likely going to like that person too. Because again, it's someone I know that sent them to me. Um, and and that's how we found the most business success um, over time. And again, I still go to things where there are lots of people on occasion. Uh, I make it a point to, I'm invited to a bank event to go to the bank event because there are lots of business owners there. Um, and I, again, th- those are good places. But um, yeah, I just think meeting people and then doing the follow-up is critical. Your business, a lot like the air conditioning business, has its its uh, share of people who are not good for the industry. Um, and, and I mean, in the attorney world, uh, the more opportunistic firms who are out there with, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the, the I mean, for lack of a better word, ambulance chasing the folks. That equivalent for me are people who are out trying to represent air conditioning, the air conditioning industry, doing shoddy work and unlicensed and uninsured and all that. Mm-hmm. You need to put those in the same boat, although they're different. Um, it's just people that you don't naturally want to associate your business with. And forever now, I have been working to, um, I guess, get rid of the black eye of, of my industry because, you know, people say, well, this guy came out and quoted me $5,000 for a system and my, you know, regular guy did it for 3300 or whatever. 
you just have to make sure that you're educating along the way is is what I've found works well, like drawing the delta between you and, you know, the guy with 777-777-777 on the billboard to call for anything. Uh, down here, it's all nines, by the way, uh, in Greenville. But it's, um, you know, I think education works well in that environment, but it's like freaking, you know, hoeing a, a pineapple field in Ohio or in Hawaii, you know, you're just continuously working on the industry's perception or, or, or the perception of your industry. Do you have that same like thing in your head? Like you have to combat the, that stigma or are you far enough away from the billboards to where it doesn't impact you? No, I mean, we, we do have to overcome the stigma. And the thing is, is that in and actually, like we see it like internally when we hire new lawyers, because I think that, so I would argue that there's kind of two different kinds or types of people, like generically, there are relationship oriented people and then there are transaction oriented people. And I like relationship oriented people. They get long, they get that it's long play and that we're going to know each other a long time and we may do a transaction together but we may have opportunities to do things going forward. And either way, I want to be a resource to you, however that looks. And I think that there are a lot of um, bad attorneys out there, you know, as you said, ambulance chasers, who have been about the transaction. Like, what are you going to give me? Like, what am I going to get? And, and I think that, that that's what gives the industry a bad name, rather than saying, okay, how can I be of assistance to you, Right. And we we can mutually work together toward a goal. And I think that that that's a challenge. And, and and again, we sometimes we hire attorneys and they come in with that transactional mindset. And again, Nathan works with them to try to ensure that they see things differently. That again, our goal should be to work come alongside the client to help them meet their goals. Right? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm just thinking back on people that, that, that I've hired in life and uh, that when you kind of uh, spoke to the different types of people, I can see that. I've never really put them in those categories before, but it's so true uh, because salespeople are often compensated off of uh, commission, you know, by what they bring in the door. And until they understand the mission of your company or your firm, sometimes they bring stuff to the table that, you don't want to uh, to to dissect and then eat. You know, it's better that somebody else has the pleasure of doing that kind of work. So I guess you know, there's I didn't realize there's this many parallels between attorneys and air conditioning, but I'm in the this is in my head now. So right, not that I'm going to go to legal school. Don't worry, Nathan's secured. <laughs> now you think about people buying. I guess it really comes down anything you know i think about buying a new car or truck and i often use the the analogy to our salespeople um, a benefit versus a feature you know i don't have kids so there is no benefit for me to have a rear seat entertainment system that's strictly a feature available in the car a benefit for me is a super duper adjustable driver's seat because my back is so whacked I can contort myself in the different ways while I'm driving to relieve my back. That's the benefit. So until you can start, you know, seeing what people need, 
you know, in, in, in your position, um, what, what do they need and who to best place them with when in, within the firm, too? You've got that at your disposal of being able to say, well, they need this specialty and, you know, diverting them to the right person internally. So, yeah, man, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Think but I guess the other thing I'd say, Greg, even though, like, clearly we do personal injury work, right? That, and clearly that's more transaction, but we're fortunate to have attorneys who understand that that's still a relationship, that that same person who may have that transaction, right? They may need your help on this one thing. That person may need help six years from now or may have a neighbor. Again, it's perceiving that the relationship is really what's sacred. That's what, that's what's most important. It's not a one-hit wonder. <laughs> right. It's not a one-hit, but awful. Yeah, exactly. No pun intended there. That's right. Well, Gabby, um, you've been quiet. You've been set up there. You've done a lot of nodding. So I think we're, we're talking a language you get because I know you well enough now to where this resonates with you. I feel like you are a relational person. Would I be right or wrong? I would say most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say I also connect the most with other relational people as well, like on top of that. Because um, I definitely understand the tra transactional people versus relational people. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think it's interesting, I like Greg had said, with the tieover between, you know, a law firm and HVAC that like he kind of didn't really think was a thing before having this conversation. And I mean, even just listening to the conversation, there's I work in in marketing and like platform media and the tie over between HVAC and law firm and marketing platform is crazy. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is because there are kind of similar departmental crossover type deals. Um, but that's definitely a big thing. And I think, you know, with a lot of companies, especially for sales team, if you have a company that has sales, a sales division within it, um, those relationships are really important. And sometimes it's really hard to, I mean, even for me as like a relational person, I don't do sales, but I feel like if I did do sales and I was getting commission off sales, I, it's, I could see it being potentially hard to kind of keep that relational mindset and not get sucked into the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get commission off of this if this goes well, you know, and kind of switching that mind frame a little bit more towards the transactional because, you know, everybody wants to do well and, you know, a little bit of extra money in your pocket, especially if you have a family to take care of and things like that is, is never a bad thing. So I could definitely see how, you know, in multiple different work environments, that transactional mindset could, even if it's not a transactional person and it's a relational person, could very easily kind of switch if, if that mission is not understood and that you know kind of underlying reason as to like why you are doing what you're doing and what these people that you're working with or you're working for actually need and are actually looking for because you know obviously the crossover between you know odd three industries and businesses is we're very different but at the same time at the end of the day our mission is to help um whether, you know, whoever you're helping, your clients, your customers, um, whoever it is you're helping, your your end goal is to 
help the person that you're working with or the person that you're partnering with. And I think that that can be really detrimental to businesses. And, you know, as far as Greg and you were saying about the overall idea of in the stereotypes of, you know, the HVAC industry or of law firms in general, um, that transactional mindset can really expand those those negative stereotypes that aren't true for every law firm or maybe aren't even true for more than half of the law firms in existence. But that transactional mindset was so strong in like a few here and there that it then ended up becoming something where now people maybe don't want to use a lawyer because they're like, I'm better. I'm better off on my own now. Well, remember, though, you, you said something. You are selling. Yeah. You're selling market scale. You're selling me. You're now selling Shannon because if we're associating, we're all guilty by association or we're all doing well by association. Yeah. So remember that you're always selling because people that, and hopefully we've got more than our usual four listeners, but um, keep, you know, you are selling uh, to, to that point, but you're right. I, I love the, the thought processes that we stirred up here today. Um, Shannon, we're running up on the top of the hour. Um, this has been really cool to talk through and, and learn some of what I didn't even think were common things uh, that we share. We now have a whole nother layer to peel back mentally and think about. Really do appreciate you joining us. Um, I do have to ask because Gabby's age, your daughter is, uh, how is she doing with her? Is she still tracking fielding? She is still tracking fielding. She's a little, she's kind of not on hiatus. She fell in April and, um, but she's thinking she's still going to, she, my, my daughter, Gabby is a discus thrower. Okay. And she still holds the North Carolina state record for discus. Wow. And she was training for the Olympics when she fell. And so she had a, um, a tendon issue in her ankle. And so we're rehabbing that. And then I guess she's going to try to regroup and continue to throw and try to make the Olympics. So. Well, tell her, tell her we wish her all the best in her re- recovery and uh, love to see her wearing that red, white, and blue. That'd be cool. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for taking time with us. Uh, it's been, it really has been fun. I've enjoyed the conversation a lot. So, Gappy, if you would like to uh, start getting the horses corralled and headed to the barn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as um, Greg was saying, thanks so much for joining us, Shannon, and, you know, wishing your daughter the best in her steps to recovery. And like Greg said, hopefully um, that Olympic training really pays off and um someday we get to we get to watch her compete because that would be really awesome i would love that um but thank you maybe can us go viral at that point (laughs) 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 but thank you again shannon and as for everyone else um thank you for joining us for another episode of straight out of crumpton for more episodes like this don't forget to subscribe to Apple or Spotify podcasts. And for all of your Greg Crumpton content, check out gregcrumpton.com.